evening, everybody, and welcome to episode 74 of the Line of the Inner Suite podcast. We're recording this on Tuesday night, literally ooh, 15 minutes, 20 minutes after the full-time whistle has blown away to Oxford, where the lads recorded another superb away victory by four goals to two, taking us to four consecutive wins on the spin and 14 goals in four games, if, I, uh, if my maths are correct. Uh, tonight, I'm Chris, and I'm joined by the returning, the ever-lovely and the, the much-loved Rob Lathan. Rob, how are you doing? I'm good, thanks, Chris. How are you? Yeah, great. Thank you, mate. Those last 10 minutes were a bit tight this evening, weren't they? They were a bit worrying, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> to say the least. We're also joined by Tom Malloy. Tom, uh, good yeah. evening. Hope you're all right. And uh, oh, yeah, let's connect. Ah, she's clenched tight, and I don't know what. Oh, no. Um, them last sort of five to ten minutes... Uh, you know, got a bit got a bit hairy out there, but um, obviously Josh Vella popped up at last minute and uh, eased everyone's fears, and I think I scared my cat half to death. <laughs> <laughs> I was watching it on the stream, and um, I was following Twitter at the same time. I was also being texted by about three or four other people, so I had a, a brief inkling what was going to happen 30 seconds in advance, which watching a game live, but knowing what's going to happen, it, it adds a certain serenity to it. Yeah, it's it weird. Also, also makes you feel a bit scared whenever the phone buzzes, but hey, we'll <laughs> talk about that as the night wears on. Okay, so what we'll do first of all is we'll just briefly touch upon the Northampton win at weekend. Rob, I know you didn't happen to go, but no doubt you've seen the highlights. Mm-hmm. And Tom, uh, I know you and I both attended yeah. in the pouring rain. Um, so yeah, we came from behind to win 2-1. I know it was a bit hairy again then in the last minute, that disallowed goal that they had. Um, but Tom, just give us your general thoughts, feelings and uh, emotions. You know, before, during, and after that game, and who you well, thought yeah, were the key players in Yeah, I mean, leading up to the game, obviously we we'd had a few um, brilliant away wins, so I was uh, I was full of confidence going into the game, and um, you know, it was it was actually it was quite a, uh, you know, we we made hard work of it at times. Obviously, um, I'm sure we'll get onto this, but um, I found it bizarre that our fans um, were clapping Matty Taylor as he came over to take a corner. Um, you know, he reciprocated that and then he got a free kick and obviously he floated that in and uh, it was a great free kick and they scored from it and immediately he turned to the East Stand and uh, sort of celebrated to the Bolton fans, which, you know, that, that sort of shows the char- uh, sort of character he is. Um, but obviously, you know, um, once again, uh, Philippe Marais uh, popped up with a goal and um, in the end, uh, we got away with it. I, I don't, and Adam LaFondra's penalty as well. I don't think I've ever seen uh, anyone hit the ball that hard. Um, it was incredible stuff. Totally agree. There was so much conviction behind that penalty, wasn't it? I know he's he's waited a long time to to score again at the Reebok, and, and I was very very happy for him too. So I didn't have any any fears, no issues with him stepping up and taking that whatsoever. As far as I was concerned, the minute he he got the ball in his hands, and he actually did run and got the ball, you know, straight away when the uh, it rolled on following Taylor's handball. He did. He looked determined, and he was he was bound to score that. There was never any any doubt in my mind whatsoever. Um, I thought it was an interesting game. We, I thought we started, you know, reasonably well, and we had a bit of a lull um, at the start of the second half, which is a little bit against how we've been lately. But I think the character and the grit we showed to come back is really encouraging. And, and we saw again tonight. Um, yeah, we're going to be under pressure because we're we're a scalp. You know, we're a big yeah. team in this division. But we've got the character and we've got the, the personalities in our team now with the experience. Even the younger players, um, such as Vela, uh, he's, just, he's currently playing over 100 games for us now. So the lad's got the experience to cope with these sort of situations. And Saturday was a perfect example of how you just keep going, just keep plugging away. And yeah, you might get the rub of the green with a you know a potentially dicky handball uh, for a penalty. But we absolutely deserved that that victory. Um, Rob, did you, did you happen to see the highlights? I mean... The goals that we scored, there's not much you can say about the penalty, but the Marais goal was a, was a really good team move and an example of how players like Vela and Taylor can keep a calm head and not you know, just belt the ball in and cross it at the first possible opportunity, but wait for a, a real chance to, to get the ball in a dangerous area. Yeah, I think um, I've, seen, I've seen the goals. Um, I think it showed again tonight as well as that goal as well. Um, that they are, they're not afraid of keeping the ball anymore. They're, I think they're confident now we've had what scored twelve goal, twelve goals in the last three away games, fourteen in the last four. So I think they're building confidence, and I think it leads to the fact that we kind of we have dropped a couple of, we have dropped a couple of clangers at home against potentially easier teams, um, where we should have won, came away with a draw, and um, 
I think we were on top in those games and we kind of let it go. And I think the last few games we've shown that we're a bit more ruthless and a bit more confident. So it's good to see. Yeah. And the fact they are willing to keep the ball and not just hoof it in the box or boot it up to Medin um, is really good to see. Absolutely. Tom, um, I gave man of the match to, who did I give it to? Alfie, for his efforts on on Saturday. Did you agree with that? Would you have given it to somebody else? Uh, yeah, you know, Adam Alfondra, he had a fantastic game. It's, you know, it's finally, it's it's so nice to finally see him uh, coming, coming back into his own. And it's a shame he had, he had to go off injured tonight. But um, I, I personally think um, big Gary Medine um, was, uh, was certainly up there for me. I mean, I, I remember thinking, you know, he, he won more headers than I seem to ever remember him winning. Um, but then on, on the floor as well, like that chance he set up for Adam LaFondra where he put a ball into him, LaFondra flicked it around the defender and then their keeper made a cracking save. And um, Medine does seem to be adding that to his game now. In the, uh, in the Gillingham game as well, he, he set up um, that free-flowing move with a, a back heel and then the goal tonight as well. He... He uh, set Vela through with a little back heel and almost, uh, well, he didn't almost score, but he, he had a go from uh, <laughs> his own half. So, uh, um, you know, I've been one of Medine's biggest critics last season. Um, and, you know, you can say what you want about his, you know, you can say what you want about Medine, but he, he's definitely upped his game the last few weeks. Without doubt, uh, I think it was his best game for Bolton by a million miles last weekend. Um, I agree with everything you said. I thought on the on the, de- on the deck and in the air, he was dominant. Um, you know, granted he might have had a bit more of an opportunity in front of goal to make it a perfect a, a perfect uh, performance from the guy, but you can't knock him. And I, I was talking to someone at middle of this week, and, and I thought he's really benefited from playing with a proper striker alongside him because he, he can concentrate on what he's good at, which is that sort of build-up play and, and the you know the support striker role, he's not having to wear too many hats. He doesn't have to be the one that brings the ball down and be the one that's expected to be on the end of the cross as well. Um, so I think, yeah, I think you know they, they complement each other so well, these two strikers. And given the quality of the ball in that the likes of Marais and Taylor can provide, um, I think you know it's, we've hit upon a winning formula with eight games to go, which you know is absolutely brilliant. There's no problem whatsoever in, uh, in terms of that. Well, let's move on to tonight. Um, tonight, we obviously, we played Oxford. and We started really well. The early goals uh, set us on our way, Marais and Beavers, in the first sort of, 15, 20 minutes. little blip with them coming back into the game, but with Medine pressurising there, defending to an own goal in Vela, sealing it in the last minute with a really, really positive, energetic run, 93rd, 94th minute, something like that it was. Um, officially means, lads, that mathematically we can't be relegated this season. But I'm quite happy with <laughs> that. Um, Tom, do you want to start off by giving us your general thoughts? Um, you know, just feel free to uh, to spout forth in any play you want, and, and finish off by giving us your man of the match. Uh, well, I mean, it was it was a bit of a roller coaster, really. Um, obviously, we we started um, as as we do quite a lot. We started uh, we started on fire. We scored after three minutes. Um, lovely bowling by Josh Feller, of course, and um, Marais sort of reacted quickest after a good save from their keeper, and that sort of set the tone really again. Um, another fantastic Marais free kick, which he was unlucky not to score. And then we 2 0 up from the rebound of that. And then um, obviously, we sort of, I, I, when we were 2 0 two nil up, um, you know, Adam LaFondre got injured and we, we took our foot off the gas a little bit. Uh, they got back into the game. Um, ben Anik, to be fair, I, I, he probably should he should probably should be doing better with that goal, but he, he made up for it later with, with um, an absolutely stunning save. And, um, yeah, it was just a, it was just a great. I mean, it was a great spectacle to be on Sky. Obviously, sort of six goal thriller, um, you know. And like I say, like I say, when this podcast started, it got very, very nervy towards the end when they uh, when they rattled the post from about thirty five yards when Ben Alec made that absolutely wonderful save, and then they got it back to three two. Obviously, and um, I thought I thought we were uh, I thought we were gonna sort of uh, throw it away like we almost did again in the Northampton game they had the goal disallowed for offside yeah. right at the end of that game um, but obviously uh, instead of just taking it to the corner uh, well we did do that for a bit but it was it was quite refreshing to see you know um, Gary, uh, Josh Vella making that run from deep and Gary Dean laying it on a plate for him and then Josh Vella having the composure um, that he's shown all season to be fair to, to slot that away and 
just seal the points. It, it was lovely to see. Can we just have a moment silence or moments respect for the Gary Medine deliberate back heel that set up Hella's goal? <laughs> I, I couldn't believe I couldn't believe my eyes. I, I know we, we joke and we joke a lot about the old assist um, definition and application, blah blah blah. But I, you know, for for someone that's not necessarily known for great displays of skill, I thought that was absolutely brilliant. Um, I love the fact that we've worked so hard all game, and even in ninety fourth minute, there's a little you know element of creativity. Perhaps from somebody that or from a team that you might think shouldn't be playing at this level. We we show our class in that respect because although we scored some good goals, you know, they were largely sort of bundled in or, you know, scruffy, you could say. Uh, but that fourth one I thought was one of the best goals, best team goals we've scored in quite a while. Yeah, and, and sorry, it seemed in that second half as well that uh, Chris Long was sort of on a one man mission to, uh, <laughs> <laughs> to to score. Um and that's that seems to be from from what I've seen of him, that seems to be his style of play. He just sort of beats a defender for pace and then just tries and beats the keeper from a, a tight angle. But every single time it went straight in the goalkeeper. Um, and there was one particular instance where Marais was screaming for the ball in the yeah. box. And uh, yeah, but I'm not sure what you thought Chris Long's performance. Yeah, I mean, he, he, he utilises my Pro Evo 6 Ronaldinho tactic of <laughs> on front three. You, you pass it to Ronaldinho and you try and cut back inside and score. Um, I noticed you're checking out or giving us a man of the match there, Tom. So we'll come back oh. to you in a second. <laughs> but I thought uh, I thought Long's pace on the break was was really useful. I know that was a tactic Lennon employed with Feeney quite a lot um, in in sticking him up front on you know towards the end of games and seeing if we could get a bit of a pace spread out either side of the wings. Um, but I like Long. I like his enthusiasm. Yeah, he's a bit raw and the end product's not really there, but he distracts defenders and he keeps he, you know takes people out of the game. And we saw on his debut, or the second game, I can't remember which one everyone it was, when he scored that belter, um, that he's got it in him. So, yeah, I'm happy for him to continue. It's a shame that Alfie had to go off. And I noticed that Mark Hiles had tweeted tonight that Prattley and Beavers um, might have suffered injuries as well. So, hopefully not too, won't be out for too long, what with that more important games coming up in the next few weeks. Yeah. But overall, I thought it was a pretty comfortable performance from the lads. I know, like I said, the moments that we had to suffer, their two goals, the long-range cracker that Annick saved, uh, which isn't bad for a goalkeeper who, who seems to be, um, you know, to have his every mistake leapt upon by people. But I think he, he's just let us down far fewer times and he's actually uh, helped us. Anything. Does that make sense? Mm -hmm. That doesn't make sense, does it? Yeah. I think um, I know what I'm trying to say. I don't think he's let us down. Uh, he's no bad name, Exactly. He's, <laughs> yeah. saved, he's saved our asses more than he's let us down with. Mm. That's the best way to put it. Um, so I can handle him making the odd mistake. And if we win, who, who cares? Um, well, in terms of man of the match, Tom, while I think about man before we come to Rob, have you had, uh, have you had a chance to make your mind up on that? Um, I, I, I was thinking about it, and um, it's a tough one. Um, I think that... I mean, I'm sort of blinded by the fact that Gary Medine back-heeled it into the path of Josh Miller in the night. <laughs> that, that, that's all that's in my mind at the moment. Obviously, you know, Philip Marais, um sort of having a big influence again. Uh, it, it, I'd say it was quite a, it was quite a team performance, but if I if I had to go for one, I'd, I'd probably say um, Philippe Marais just for the fact that you know he he scored the opening goal. He uh, it was his free kick that sort of led to the second. The third was his throw in, which was flicked on, um, and then an on goal. Um, yeah, let's let's give it to Philippe Marais. Fair dues. Um, I think I might I might throw a bit of a curveball in here and think I, I might be tempted to give it to Devitt. You know, yeah. I thought David was rock solid. I mean, you know, with the ball at his feet, he's, he's probably one of the worst footballers I've ever seen in my life. But, <laughs> it, you know, his defensive now, his, his, his positioning, the fact that he looks a bit lighter means he's a bit quicker as well. Um, he didn't didn't put a foot wrong all day. So I think I might have pumped for David. Mm. Um, Rob, you saw the game. So let's come to you with the same the same questions I gave to Rob and I answered myself. With, give us your impressions of how we were. Who you think did well? Who you think maybe perhaps didn't quite so well? And finish off with who you thought was your man of the match. I was really impressed with how he started. I think we've kind of come into games just going for it, haven't we? Which is really good to see. Um, mm. But it's worrying that we, when we get into a position where we're completely in control, we kind of seem to drop off a little bit and kind of maybe stop playing. Um, which I guess is fair enough. Over ninety minutes, you can't play full on for ninety minutes, can you? But yeah, I was, I was worried at the end that we we're going to throw it away. But um, yeah, it was a really good start. Um, Murray looked really bright. I think whenever he got on the ball, we're a massive threat. Um, 
Yeah, obviously he's, I think he had he had that guy. Well, he's all over that guy, or that left back, or match, wasn't he? He didn't have a clue. Um, Definitely. Getting great balls into the box, and I think with the likes of Medine, Lafondra, and Vela getting into the box, we're always gonna, we're always going to get goals with that. And that's kind of what we missed all season, I think. Someone who's actually going to create something and create chances for for those guys. But um, yeah, I think that's the best I've seen us play for ages. To be honest, I think in patches we were awesome tonight, and I thought the first goal kind of. Summed up what we were talking about earlier, talking about um, like not being a, not having to boot into the box, not having to boot it up to Medine. And they kind of just kept the ball. It looked like it wasn't going anywhere. Prattley gone to the box, laid it back to Vela, and he knocked over to the back post and kind of Murray knocked in the follow-up. But um, yeah, I was really impressed with that goal. I thought it was a really good team goal. Um, and yeah, um, <laughs> I quite talk about Che, how bad Che Dunkley is. Um I think. Go ahead. Um, so to start with, he did. He clearly elbowed Adam Lafondra, to which the Oxford fans promptly booed Lafondra for ten minutes until he went off with concussion. Um, <laughs> and like, talk, just talking about Oxford clearly, fans generally, yeah. I thought the Oxford fans were absolutely awful tonight. I thought just booing every decision that went against them, even though they were clear fouls, and then just clearly thought the ref was against them. But that's probably one of the refereeing best refereeing uh, performances we've had all season. I think. In that league, um, I don't really think he did much wrong. But um, I mean, what what went on talking about the ref there? What what, what happened with that um, the free kick towards the end, which originally he signalled uh, the free kick against us, and then um, after you know, then it ended up being Marais to take it. I, I'm not sure what that was. Yeah. Happened there was a blatant foul there, wasn't it? Well. I was surprised he didn't book the guy. Bad as the referee on Saturday, but I thought he had his he had his moment. So I'd be a bit reluctant to say he's a. Uh, one of the better ones. Well, that says a lot about the standard of the refereeing, though, doesn't it? <laughs> it does. It truly does. But um, yeah, I was getting a bit annoyed with the Oxford fans. You know, just booing everything. But um, that Dunkley guy was awful. He was. He, he did that. <laughs> he did that elbow on Lafonda, which was blatant, and then scored that own goal. And he just looked. Yeah, I don't know where they found him, but he looked massively out of his depth. Um, but I was disappointed we couldn't score more. To be honest, I thought we could have hit, hit him for five or six if we carried on in the first half, just going for it. But um. But I think we kind of dropped off when Lafondre went off, didn't we? And Agreed. Their goalkeeper played quite well. I he did, yeah. He made a lot of saves. Yeah. 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 I think he made, what, four or five from long alone. And then, yeah, actually, from his first two goals, he made two really good saves. So, yeah, he's he's unlucky, I thought. But... And I thought uh, Rob Hall had an equally bad game. That was that was nice. That yeah. was nice to see. As someone who was particularly um, scathing in Rob Hall's time with us, incredibly forget, forgettable time. And after that Berry game, I'll never I'll never forget that. Um, yeah, he he was he was the Rob Hall that I expected to see. It's interesting to note there was an interview with him in the Oxford paper this week where he was talking about how you know there's an extra pressure to do well against your old club mm. and the fans never saw the real Rob Hall. Well, even <laughs> on that performance, we did see the real Rob Hall. And yeah. The real Rob Hall has absolutely nothing to write home about. He's not. I think he did one thing all match, and that was the cross for their first goal, which kind of led on to, well, the cross which led on to their first goal. But apart from that, he's completely innocuous, I thought. Totally, totally anonymous. Um, okay, so in that case, um, with all things considered, who do you think will get Man of the Match award in, in your book tonight, Rob? I think for me, it's Murray as well. I think he's the one player we have who's capable of doing something completely different and going past a man and just making something happen out of nothing. And it's obvious, like, whether you want to talk about assists or not, but the fact that he's created all these chances for players to score in the last three or four games is um, something that no one else is going to do in the team. So, yeah, for me, it's him. Definitely, yeah. I think it's a good shout on all these suggestions tonight, boys. Um, as far as Maurice goes, January signings that have been a, a successful ball have been few and far between. <laughs> I mean, you know, for every Maurice, there's a there's Altan Harsanyi, there's a David Thompson. Um, <laughs> I, I mean, the obvious the obvious thing to do is to laugh at Bradford, but given the fact that they're letting go for nothing, mm. and there might be a there might be a piece coming on the, on the website on Thursday, which will, uh, will highlight that a little bit more. But the thinking behind uh, Maurice's signing, obviously, bit for Parkinson was to add, add some strength in depth to a team, versatile strength in depth to a team that maybe suffered from that. But, Tom, um, do you think that Maurice, his quality was always there? Do you think a change of scenery has done him good? Do you think it's Parkinson, the fact that he knows him? Um, 
have you got any thinking as to why it's been such a runaway success? Because he's been, you know, and, and I hate to be to be critical of the guy. I'd heard of him, but I'd never really heard of him doing too much. But he's looked absolutely superb since we came in. And a real shout, even just for half a season, has been being player of the year. Now, there's a supplementary question on there. A couple of years ago, we had Djokovic. I proposed Djokovic as being now player of the year on the website, and I got shouted down at the time. <laughs> oh, no, you can't have someone that only came in halfway through the season as being your player of the year. But bollocks to that. <laughs> when I'm, I'm, in, I'm, in, I'm in charge now, so I can say, yeah, whatever. Marais is, is going to be that. But on the general subject of Marais, um, how have you found him since he came in? And, and what do you think has been the secret behind his, uh, his success at Wondrum? Well, I mean, you, you'd have to you'd have to say he's, he's been absolutely fantastic, wouldn't you? I mean, like you say, um, I hadn't really heard of him, and you know, when I saw that we were bringing in what was essentially a Bradford reserve player um, on sort of deadline day, I thought, oh, here we go, panic signing. We've just you know we've got rid of Zach Clough, and uh, this is what we're replacing him with, sort of thing. Um, but obviously, he's proved us all wrong, and um, obviously. Um, uh, it's it's hard to pinpoint what it is. Obviously, you know, he uh, he's him and Parkinson obviously sort of clicked together. Um, I think the the way Parkinson plays suits him. It's quite direct. You know, we we we're very good on set pieces at the moment, and um, now that we've got Medina and Lafondre up front, um, a lot of our game is crossing the ball into the box um, to them, and he you know he's reaping the rewards of that. But um, I mean. We laugh at Bradford fans a lot, and um, but <laughs> and, and and with good reason. But you know, um, I think if we were in a similar situation, we'd probably be just as bitter as as they would about this, because essentially it's a player who, you know, couldn't get in the team, and now he's. I think it'd be fair to say he's one of the best wingers in the league, and um, to to let them go on a to let him go on a free. Not, I mean, fair enough. You know, he wasn't doing it for them, so. Fair enough to release him, but for then him to go to a promote a direct promotion rival, um, and play like he has, he, you know, you'd, you'd be devastated if he was a Bradford fan. I think the direct comparisons with you know with Rob Hall, an underperforming winger going to a team who's got aspirations of being uh, one of your rivals and absolutely smashing it out of the park. Um, Rob, same question to you, Philippe Moraes. What did you know about him beforehand, and, and what have you thought about him since he's arrived? I think the only thing I knew about him was he scored in that Bradford win against Chelsea. They knocked Chelsea out of the cup right, yeah, a couple of years ago. His former team as well. Yeah, so he, I knew I knew about him coming through at Chelsea and then moving on. But um, yeah, I like I like his directness. The fact that he's willing to run at a fullback. I think in League One, there's not many teams that have fullbacks that can actually defend very well. Um, so maybe that's why he's been so good. He's actually willing to get the ball down, run at them, and then. I think that worries the defenders, doesn't it? If their first instinct is Definitely. to go down the line, get a cross in, that's what, that's every left-back's worst nightmare. So I think that's what I've really enjoyed about him. We've not had anyone like him for a while. And um, I thought, I'm not counting Liam Feeney in this. Um, well, I think it's an interesting comparison because I thought yeah. Feeney, you know, Feeney was equally direct in that he didn't really have a lot of uh, couldn't cross options though. available to him. But he, <laughs> but he didn't have the final ball, whereas Maurice's yeah. final ball is, you know, from what I've seen, you know, eight times out of ten, it, it finds a Bolton head. Yeah. And um, there's, there's a lot to be said about that, especially when we've got people with the quality in the air of, of our centre halves mm. in uh, Medine. Um, but one thing that came to mind before the game, Rob, was regarding the choice of midfield. Obviously, Prattley and Vela, after we the way we've played lately, picks themselves. Mm. Were you surprised to see Spearing come back in for Derek, or do you think that's a natural choice when all three are fit to play together? Yeah, it didn't surprise me at all. Um I'm not convinced about Derek, to be honest. Um, I know there's a bit of a bolt, uh, Derek fan club, but um, I'm not that convinced about him. I think if Spearing's fit, he has to play, no matter what. Um, I think Derek was at cost for a couple of goals in a recent game. I forget which one. Um, might have been Fleet, yeah, Fleetwood, Fleetwood I think was it? That's, I think that's, that's a bit... Maybe a bit, a bit harsh, harsh but... I say that as a fully, a fully paid up member of the Derek fans. <laughs> <laughs> but oh, yeah, I think if Spearing's available, then you have to play him. I think Fratley coming back has obviously given us a spark. And then Vela kind of speaks for itself that he has to play. Um, yeah, I think if Spearing's fit, he plays. Tom, same opinion? Well, yeah, I mean, yeah, like I say, I, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a member of the, uh, the Derek fan club as well. You know, he, he, he has 
yes, he's good games and yes, he's bad games. But I, I think on the whole, you know, he, he's quite a classy footballer. Um, but yeah, when you know when Spearing's fit, um, he has to start really, and um, sort of a pr- Prattley, Spearing, and Vela is a League One sort of midfield. You, you're not going to get much better than that. No. Um, and it's like we were say- we were saying on the sort of line of Vienna uh, sweet private chat before the game. We were saying with this current team, does Mark Davis? Um, <laughs> you know, he's he's been out he's been out all season. Would, would he get into that midfield with with past M three? I don't think so. I don't think so at all. And with the, the, the whispers that are going around at the minute about him allegedly announcing his retirement soon, uh, which I hope is not the case. Uh, but yeah, I mean, where, where does he fit in this team? Because the only person that he may replace is, is perhaps Vela, given the fact that they, they've both got that attacking instinct. But at the moment, I'd say Vela's output exceeds that that Davies ever did. I mean, mm. as technical footballers, there might be a difference between the two. But give me someone that provide that uh, produces the goods at the end of the day over someone that might do i saw uh, a, a, a comment tonight about vela hitting double figures and being the first bolton player in however long to do that uh, and this is coming from somebody who was struggling to get a game last season and even in the first the first sort of six weeks of this season was was a, perhaps a utility player at best um, and but vela vela in, in in focus tom to stay with you obviously you and i have seen him over the years play for the the yeah academy reserves etc and make his way through never wanted I think he would be a you know an attacking midfielder in the way that he's become I think it's a real credit to him that he's been so adaptable and uh, did you ever see anything like that in him as a kid because I know I certainly didn't no I mean he, he was sort of just you know he was sort of just like an energetic um sort of midfielder when he when he was in reserves and yeah. um, obviously when he when he first broke through I expected him to be sort of a deep lying playmaker maybe not a holder midfielder but you know uh, spray spray the ball out from um, you know, from deep or whatever, but no, as he's as he's progressed, you know, he's he's had he had that stint at right back, um, and it's it's sort of a nice little um, it's it was the Oxford game at the Reebok, which well at the Macron, which we lost two 0 earlier in the season, and um, I think Laurie Wilson had, had a bad couple of games, and we actually uh, shifted Vela back to right back for that game and he, he had a bit of a shocker in that position and uh, it was it was after that that we uh, we found this sort of number 10 role for him and he, he's he's sort of thrived ever since even though we don't play that formation anymore um you know he seems to be finding his feet again now that um now that you know they've got the likes of Spearing and Prattley doing the dirty work for him he, he can perhaps get back to express himself more as he did earlier in the season very true, very true. Now, quick quiz for you both. Who was the last Bolton player to score double figures in a season? Oh, God. Um, I'm thinking attacking midfielder with beautiful hair. <laughs> yeah, no, yeah. I, 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 think I, saw, I think I saw your tweet the other day. Um, spot on. Chris spot Eagles, on. Isn't it? Uh, yeah, spot on. It's, it's an interesting uh, interesting development. Um, Rob, is there sort of, you know, more, more uh, what's the word, like remote? <laughs> way to put it, in the fact that you're not necessarily get able to see the game every week. I mean, does Vela's maturation into this sort of attacking player surprise you? Because when he came into the side three, four years ago, he was, he was as as Tom said, the sort of archetypal, energetic holding midfielder. But his versatility, I thought last year was maybe a bit of a curse in that he didn't really know or he was able to, to pinpoint where his best position was. But now look at the lad, fantastic. Yeah, definitely. I mean. I thought he looked okay when he played. There was a spell when he played right back, and he looked he looked decent, but it wasn't. You weren't really comfortable that he was a right back. Like you weren't really massively confident that he was a defender. Um, but I, I saw him at Charlton. I think I can't remember if it was last year or the year before. But he was playing in midfield, and there was a couple of occasions where he kind of pushed on, and he was really like har- harassing their centre backs, and it kind of showed that maybe he could play there and then I think he got injured in that game and then didn't play again for a while. Um so it kind of showed that that kind of side of his game was there. Um then I think he came back and they stuck him in right back again. But um yeah I think it's been really pleasing to see, especially with Clough moving on, um, that there's another local lad that is stepping up to get goals. And playing ten out of ten Absolutely every week. Agree. But, um, totally agree. <laughs> yeah, totally his, agree. Yeah, his performances in the last few weeks have been really impressive. Absolutely agree. Here's one for you. In uh, the distant past, obviously we lost Sammy Amiobi, 
do you think, Tom, if we'd have, if we'd have kept Sammy, we maybe wouldn't have signed Marais? And out mm. of the two, who would you rather have, Marais or Amiobi? Oh, that that is a uh, that is a good question, isn't it? Um, Thanks. God, God, you throw me that. Um, you know, Sammy Ami, the different um, sort of players, because Amiobi had that unpredictability in the sense that I don't think he knew what he was uh, going to do half the time. Um, you know, I, I loved watching Amiobi play because he, he was exciting to watch. But um, I, I think that Moraes, you know, he. He has more of an end product. He, he might not be as flashy or have as many skills, but I think in, in terms of actually um, creating chances and you know getting us goals, I, I think uh, I think I'm quite happy with how that one's panned out. Yeah, Rob, same question to you. Yeah, Marais every time for me. Um, I mean, Amiobi is all right. He'd score wonder goal every now and again, but then he'd fall over the ball the next minute, and it's like he was really unpredictable. Whereas Marais, you know, you're going to get a decent ball every time. Um, so yeah, for me, at this level, I think Murray. Most definitely. I think it's uh, the end product and the consistency is what Parkinson was after. And, yeah. and he's got that in spades, hasn't he, Murray? Now, one question just to, uh, to to sort of keep on the topic of, of comparative uh, options between our players. We've got, from what we understand, an injury to Beavers tonight. Mm. Rob, staying with you, what would you do? Would you move De Vee over? Wabara at right back, or would you take a different uh, a different approach? I think that that Wabara guy. I think my dad was at the game that Wabara started, and he said mm. he looked absolutely awful. Um, I mean, he's not played for a while. Bad. Yeah, he's not played for a while, and he's probably not much fit. But I'm not convinced about that being an option. Maybe drop Derek into the back three and push. Yeah, maybe put Derek in um, in the middle, and then have Davit and Wita either side. That could be an option. Yeah, no, that makes sense as well. Uh, Tom, what do you think? Um, yeah, I think the obvious thing to do would be to uh, cause this system, we, we've sort of finally clicked with this three mm. back. Um, I think uh, a like for like, well, not exactly, but, you know, uh, put someone who can play as a centre-back in Derek um, in there and sort of just hope for the best and hope that Mark B's injury uh, isn't too serious because... I'm not sure where about what Bar is up to. Mm. Uh, I, obviously, I was at the game as well, which uh, which he played, and he, he looked he looked miles off. Um, and you know, he's not been on the bench at all since that. Um, so uh, I just hope it isn't a return to a uh, Dean Moxie to oh, the team because no. that 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 has been an <laughs> option uh, on that left on left on side. I, I remember when we played a. Uh, Liverpool um, in the cup on an eleven. Moxie played on the uh, on the left of a, of about three. So, <laughs> please uh, no. That, that, please that, that no. Could potentially happen, but let's let's uh, let's touch wood and hope that that's not the case. <laughs> I'm quite a fan of this three at the back. I think I, I know I've, I've moaned in the past, but it doesn't sound like me about Chelsea playing it. We're not Chelsea, but I think when it, when you actually break it down, player by player, we've got a decent we've got a decent enough squad to make a fist of that sort of formation, um, and subject to find out where Alfie's con- concussion leaves us in terms of Saturday. Um, I-, I wonder whether that's something we might employ again. Although, would you think that Long would come in and per- perhaps utilise the two wider players um, at weekend, Rob? Yeah, I think... I thought, I thought Long looked all right tonight. I thought... Um, I think he gives you a bit of pace up front, doesn't he, alongside Medine, and he'll get look to get in behind. Um yeah, he needs to stop doing the same trick every time. But um, yeah, I'd, I'd give long a go. I think I think um, just if Alfie's out, just slot him in the same position. Personally, I think the bigger issue might be if Prattley's injured. Um, I think you mentioned earlier that Isles has tweeted about yeah. Prattley being out. I think Prattley's given us a bit of a boost, doesn't he? Um, which is worrying to say. But I think yeah, since he's come back, then we've been a, we'd have been a lot better. I don't really know where we'd be at if we had Prattley and Beavers both out. Well, Tom, do you think that Karachan could come in? I mean, obviously he played a bit of time tonight. And I think that's perhaps why he got a he got a few minutes on the pitch to try and improve his match fitness. But do you think that might be an option then, uh, Karachan coming in instead? I mean, you, you'd hope so. You know, he's played uh, he's played most of his career at a high level mm. in this. Um, and I seem to remember when we signed him, I, or when we were linked with him in the first place, I thought it was a bit of a coup because um, he's a player that's impressed me before when we've when we've played against Reading. Um, and I believe, Champions League too, I think. Yeah, yeah. Um, and 
you know, hopefully, hopefully, he can step up. I mean, as as well as our first team uh, finding some rhythm, our, our bench looks. Uh, I think our bench looks really strong at the moment as well, and um, it's testament, you know, that the likes of that Viv Solomon Abor, who we got alone in January, can't get in, can't can't get a sniff. Um, Max Clayton, who we were talking about being a key player for us in the championship, um, can't get on the pitch. And um, it, it's really nice to have that sort of strength and depth. And hopefully, you know, if, if Prattley is injured, um, hopefully uh, Karachin can uh, step up to the plate. Absolutely. I think it's just, it's a it's really exciting time, isn't it, to come in and, and to see how, how the end of the season might pan out. Um, so we find ourselves now with eight games to go, you know, six points behind Sheffield United, which given the respective forms of the two teams, it is a reasonable gap because you'd expect them to carry on the way they have. But, Rob, do you think there's any chance we could catch him up and, and get the title? I think if Billy Sharp gets injured, then yes. Um, I think... Interesting. I mean, his goals speak for them. He's got, what, 26 goals this year? I mean, that's pretty impressive. Um, it's twice as many... Well, nearly three times as many as our top scorer. So that's pretty impressive. Um I think if they would lose, we've, we've they, spread the goals around a bit. Yeah, more, yeah. I think they have. Yeah, but um, I think if they were lose, if they were to lose him, that shows how important he is to them. Um, then that would be interesting. I think they'll definitely still go up, but I think there's potential we could catch them if we keep playing the way we are. Bit of put a bit of pressure on them. Most definitely, Tom. Do you think we've got we've got a chance in terms of the title? Or do you think those days are gone? We just concentrate on getting as many points uh, between ourselves and third as we can manage. I mean, we can we can dream, can't we? You know, mm. it's only uh, it's only six points, like we've said now, and six points and four goals. It is looking at the table tonight. Yeah, four yeah, goals, I mean, they're four goals ahead. It's not, you know, it's not beyond the realms of possibility, especially if we keep putting four past teams as well. <laughs> uh, get our get our goal difference up. Um, you know, it, then it, then it only takes you know two two games for them to slip up, and uh, if we just keep winning, who knows what can happen? But you know, I'm not. I'm not too bothered about winning the league, obviously. Um, I just want us to get automatic promotion. I don't think that my uh, my heart um, can handle the playoffs, and you know <laughs> it'd, be, it'd be such a shame if we we had to go like if we had to deal with the playoffs after. You know, we, we've had some bad patches this season, but for the vast majority of the season, you know, we've we've been in that top two. So, mm-hmm. um, uh, yeah, I mean. First, first will be lovely, but I, I just think we need to uh, extend the gap on third now. Yeah, and for my own selfish reasons, my daughter's birthday party is booked for the day the Wembley play a final. Didn't think about that one, but you know, fail. Um, so yeah, looking at looking at the table now, we're six points ahead of Bradford. Poor, poor, lonely Bradford, and we've played a game <laughs> less than Bradford too. At eight points ahead of Scunthorpe and twelve ahead of Southend. So I think we can pretty much say to ourselves that that playoffs are going to be are going to be guaranteed. I can't see us dropping 12 points in the last six games of the season to allow the likes of Millwall uh, or Bristol Rovers to catch us up. Christ, Bristol Rovers in eight, didn't realise they've wow. gone that high. Um, they've got a goal difference of zero. How does that work <laughs> with, with seven games left in the season? It's bizarre. Um, but the absence of a, of a goal scorer on the lines are sharp. Um, Ball at Fleetwood, uh, Hanson, mm. Matley Wyke at Bradford, uh, Morris at Scunthorpe and Cox at Southend. You know, do, do you think, Rob, that if we'd had someone like that, and, and not to be critical of the way that the lads have played, because we spread the goals around and it were much more of a team effort than we were last season. But had we someone like Sharp, had we someone like Morris White or, or uh, Simon Cox, do you think we might have might have gone one step further? Um, I mean, I'm not trying to be greedy at the moment mm. because obviously, given what we went through last season when we finished 20 points adrift, this <laughs> is uh, this is paradise comparatively. Yeah. I think I think it's definitely a case for that. I think if we'd had Lafondra. From the start of the season, mm. he would have scored twenty goals. I think. Um, I think showing the last few games, he looked really sharp. I think tonight he looked really sharp until he got injured. Um, I think he would have scored tonight if he stayed on. Um, and he scored what three in the previous three was it, or three in the previous two, um, or four in the previous three maybe. Um, yeah, I think if we'd had him all year, he would have been that kind of goal threat that would have been putting the chances away and. But I think, like you say, it's good that we spread them around. But if we had that fox in the box, so to speak, then, yeah, it would have been in a much stronger position. I think we would have killed yeah. off games like the um, Bristol Rovers game and the Wimbledon game, which we kind of went ahead and then threw it away. 
Yeah, there's been a few occasions. I mean, Oxford at home was one where, mm. where we might have done a bit better, obviously losing uh, 2 1 or 2 0, whichever one it was. And the Swindon um, defeat, yeah. And Swindon, yeah, that was that was two weeks on the trot, the two points against Bristol Rovers and Wimbledon as well. That's another sort of five or six points. I mean, there's an argument to be made for us, you know, having been title contenders, had those results going in our favour. Yeah. But I think in the grand scheme of things, we can't be too um, sad about the opportunity that we've missed no. because. This has been one of the most exciting and enjoyable seasons in a in you know in half a decade as far as I'm concerned. And <laughs> um, I've even tongue, half tongue in cheek spoke about the fact that I enjoy I prefer this league. Next year, if we were to go up, it'd be a whole lot of unknowns, mm. and, and that's a bit scary given our our situation. But I can only call upon conversations I remember having with with Ken Anderson when he, he called us into that little meeting a few months ago before the Palace game. Their plans uh, going forward should we get promotion are exciting in terms of the calibre of players that we might be able to bring in. So you've got to have every faith that we'd be able to hold our own should we go up. Um, but in terms of in terms of the f- sort of final positioning, I think Sheffield one and Bolton two seems to be likely. But out of the four contenders at the minute, both of you we've got Fleetwood, Bradford, Scunthorpe, and Southend. Well, we'll say Southend and Millwall because they're on sixty points each. Uh, who do you think will go out, up out the playoffs out of that four? Hopefully not Bradford, because I'd love to see them fucking moaning, pissing yeah. and crying on the internet, like they do every single time. Rob, well, we've got uh, Fleetwood, Bradford, Scunthorpe, Southend slash Millwall. Um, Southend won't, because they've got Phil Brown in charge. Um, well, I'll tell you what, Millwall have got two games in hand on both Bradford and Scunthorpe. How did Millwall do tonight? Cause they were 3-1 down, and they got back to 3 all, didn't they? Uh, yeah, finished 3 all. yeah, against Rochdale. I think... Mm, I'd like to see Fleetwood go up just because they're the smallest out of all of them. And yeah, I'd like to see them go up. But um, I think someone like Millwall could sneak it because they've been there and done it before. Um, Yeah, I think I'd like to see Fleetwood, but I think Millwall might sneak it. Tom? Uh, Yeah, I think uh, think with playoffs uh, generally, um, it's the form team really, isn't it, that... um, Mm. Tends tends to do well, and uh, Millwall seem to have come from nowhere to uh, to get to this great position that they're in. Like you say, with two games in hand on the teams above them, and I, I firmly believe, you know, if, if Millwall um, get into them playoff places, they can go all the way. I mean, last last season, you know, they uh, they lost out in the final to Barnsley, but um, you know, if if, if I, I I can I can uh, certainly see Millwall uh, going all the way this year. Yeah, I think they'd be my outside bet as well. I'm not sure why. I quite like their manager, Harris. I know he was a yeah. decent centre forward and seems to be seems to be doing quite well as well in terms of the manager. So okay. Well, final thoughts and lads. I think we've we've rung all we can ring out at tonight's performance. Um certainly no negatives, um, which is which is great and, and which is something that I'm always happy to to settle upon as we finish off. Uh, one thing I just wanna just discuss ever ever so quickly, uh, and in brief with you both, is Clayton and Henry didn't get off the bench tonight. I know it's it wasn't necessarily that sort of game. Our, our attacks were more sort of spontaneous and on the counter than the more planned and delicate, which each player might it might thrive at. I can't see James Henry having much of a future at Wanderers yeah. after this season. I don't think he's really shown much, um, and I suspect if we were to go up, I think his wages would be a bit unsustainable for a reserve. And Clayton's a funny one. I, I, I'm still I find it hard to know what to feel about Clayton because ultimately, over the course of his time at Bolton, which is what coming up on four years now. I bet I've only seen him play half a dozen times. But where do you both stand on those two players? Tom, I'll come to you first. Um, Clayton and, and, and Henry. This is Henri then. Clayton and Henry. Um, <laughs> what, what do you reckon? James Henri. Uh, no, I think um, Matt, with Max Clayton, um, I, I've always been a fan of Max Clayton, but uh, he, he's had a torrid time with injuries. And uh, like I said before, now that we, we've always looked at him as a key player when fit, but now that he has... He's been fit, you know, for quite a while now, and he, he's not getting a sniff. And the fact that, you know, we're bringing on Chris Long, who's a player on loan, um, instead of him, um, you know, that that doesn't that you know that doesn't really bode well for him. And I've I've not seen much of the under twenty threes this season either. But Max Clayton's, um, he's been a regular for them in like recent months, and I don't think he's set the world alight for them either. So, um. It was sort of a make-or-break season for Max. I believe he's out of contract at the end of the season as well. Um, and in his time at Wanderers, he's only got two goals to show for it. Um, mm. 
you know, mm. which as as a forward, you know, it, it isn't great, even though he's only played uh, 23 or so games. So, and then James Henry, um, it's, it's a strange one, isn't it? Because at the start of the season when we signed him, again, I thought it was a great coup. Um, I, I, see, I seem to remember James Henry as like quite a, a very competent championship uh, player so for us to get him on loan in League One I thought it was it was great business and it, it didn't quite happen for him at first and uh, when Amiobi clicked that was sort of uh, sort of it for him for a while and then you know uh, when Amiobi left we, we re-signed Henry um, he had a good few games got a few goals uh, was was looking you know was, was looking up to it and then obviously we signed Philippe Moraes and ever since that you know he's, he's not really uh, had a sniff has he? No, absolutely not, Rob. Um, I think Max Clayton's a real shame. It's one I think when we signed him, I was really excited. I remember watching him when he was playing at Crew. I think it was in potentially in the playoff final with Nick Powell, was it? Um, he looked really good. Um, I think he's one of you know, he's a really promising young talent, and he's only twenty two, isn't he? So, yeah, yeah, I think it's a real shame that he's kind of he's been blighted by injuries, and that's kind of held him back. I think in the current formation, he doesn't really have a position in that unless he stepped into like maybe Vela's role. But um, yeah, I can't really see him getting in. He's not going to get in ahead of Vela, is he? So, and I think with James Henry, I've not really, whenever I've seen him, I've not really been impressed. Um, I think he's like a poor man's Felipe Moray, to be honest. I think <laughs> he's a bit like, actually, he reminds me of Amiobi. He'll do something out of nothing, score an absolute wonder goal. And then do nothing for four weeks. I'm like, yeah, I don't. I think he's a bit of a luxury for a Phil Parkinson team, to be honest. Um, so I don't really see him getting a game for the rest of the season. Um, I think it says a lot as well that that Solomon Otterbaugh guy was getting in ahead of him on the bench for a, for about a month or so, wasn't he? So yeah, I don't really see him staying on next year either. No, I'd have to agree with you on both. It's a shame about Clayton, but he is still young, and so I suppose there is still time on his hands. You never, you never quite know. Okay, so to finish off, lads, we've got Southend at weekend, if I'm right in thinking, um, away from home. Um, what do you think we're going to do there? I mean, obviously, we might have a couple of changes to make. We've discussed those already. So we'll Shrewsbury at weekend. Oh. Shrewsbury, away. Sorry, Shrewsbury away on Saturday. Do you mean, yeah, do you mean Shrewsbury? Shrewsbury. Shrewsbury, whatever. <laughs> <laughs> Apologies, apologies. Yeah, okay, <laughs> fair news. I, I, I thought it was Southend, but no, no, what do I know? Uh, okay, so let's see where they are in the table. Ooh, 20th. Mm. Mm, tasty. So they're, they're only two points ahead of Port Vale in 21st. You know, lost that against Coventry, bottom of the league Coventry. Oh. So that should be a game, in, you know, you'd think we'd fancy it. We'd fancy ourselves to win. Um, changes that we might make, we've discussed those already, but let's have a score prediction for that. Um, and do you think we might... Uh, Steal a march on Sheffield United again. Uh, Rob, you first, mate. 4 0. Yeah, absolutely. Sh- it's, the trendy, it's the trendy score, isn't it? Yeah, we've got to score four again. Um, I think if, we, if we're hoping of going up, we have to go out there and just dominate like we did from the start tonight. Um, I think their heads would their go goal down, difference so. is minus 12 as well. So we know yeah. that uh, conceding goals is certainly one of their little their traits. Yeah, I think we should uh, dominate that one at home. Oh, no, it's away, sorry. Yeah, it's away. Yeah, we'll, score, we'll definitely score four then, won't we? We have to. It's, it's the law. Yeah. Um, Tom? Tom? Um, <laughs> yeah, I, I think, uh, obviously, they've been great away from home recently, but it, it seems to be these uh, really lowly teams that we seem to make hard work of. Um, I remember after Christmas, uh, Chesterfield bottom of the league and... Um, that's right. They, they beat us away from home. Mm. So I can see this being a tricky one, but uh, I think we're taking quite a lot of fans down there, like maybe 1,500. So um, hopefully, you know... It's tiny uh, ground as well. Yeah, so hopefully, you know, the fans um, the fans get behind the players and um, hopefully hopefully we can put four past them again, but I'm, I'm going to go for a, a 2-1 Bolton. Yeah, I'll uh, I'll be happy with it. I'll, I think I'll I'll combine the two, so I'll go with six one, um, <laughs> just to make sure that we absolutely crack on and Sheffield United start capitulating as well. So fingers crossed that comes to be, um, and we can head into the beautiful month of April knowing what we know. Funny that the season's going to end in April this year. By the way, I find yeah. it very odd that we're not going to be playing football in May, but hey, it is what it is. Um, 
Right. Okay. Brilliant. So that's been uh, that's been us tonight, lads. Recording on the eve of a game is something we haven't tried doing before. Um, and given the fact that we, for technical reasons, we couldn't get anything out for you over the weekend, I don't think it's been too bad at all. Uh, so, lads, thank you very much for your company tonight. I've enjoyed it thoroughly. I've been Chris. He's been Rob, and he's also been Tom. Uh, Rob, your Twitter account. Where can people find you? It's at Robbie Laz. Excellent, Tom. Uh, yes, it is at Tom Loy. Perfect. And I'm at 90 Manning 83 as always. So we'll hopefully be back on uh, Sunday or Monday next week after the Shrewsbury game. Reflect upon our glorious 6-1 victory. Um, and we'll see where we are there. So thank you very much for listening. Thank you for downloading. Don't forget to find us on iTunes. Leave a rating, hopefully a five-star one. We're doing quite well then, lads. Have you checked out that, by the way? Oh, I've not. No. Oh, have a look. Have, five-star have a look. reviews. Yeah, it's very, um, it's, it's good for the old ego, that. Yeah. You know, you wake, up, wake up feeling a bit down. Are we, are we going to uh, sh- shamelessly plug our upcoming uh, special podcast uh, in a couple of weeks' time? Oh, what do you think? Gonna, think you should. Te- <laughs> te- te- tease it. Wait, wait to put an article out there. Well, I'll tell you what then. What I'll say to people is, yeah, we, we may well be diversifying a little bit on the old Line of Guinness Week podcast. And I'm only not going to say any more because you haven't thought of a clever name for it yet. But yeah, I think on Friday, there's going to be a piece coming out on the website, which I'd encourage you to keep an eye out for. Um, yeah, we're, we're moving away from football ever so slightly um, and, and to sort of coin a phrase. That's all I've got to say about that. So if you know what that phrase Exciting. means, maybe have a, bit, a little bit of a clue as to where we're going. But yeah, that's a, I think, a I, think Dave, I think David Wheater will enjoy the podcast. Uh, <laughs> I do too. I yes. do too. Um, what with him providing a bit of a defensive <clears throat> shield, then that's something <laughs> we could definitely do. And hopefully the new podcast direction that we're taking will get over. But we'll have to wait and see. Anyway, thank you very much again for listening to episode 74 of the Line of Guinness Week podcast. Keep an eye out for episode 75 in the coming days. Um, and have a good evening. That's been a pleasure.